Welcome to Playing With Ourselves, a Who Dares Rolls podcast by Charlie Etheridge Nunn. Today, I will be playing You Are Quarantined with Adam Driver, and he is insisting on reading you his new script. This is a game by Sandy Pug Games, designed by Liam Ginty. Day 15. The zombie invasion has forced everyone, aside from essential workers, to stay quarantined. Luckily, I'm able to work from home, or at least I would be, if I wasn't on the road when the order came down from Prime Minister Danny Dyer. I was pretty excited originally when I rented out the Sky B&B and realised I was going to be a neighbour to Adam Driver. Yeah, that Adam Driver. I liked his work in the first two Star Wars films he was in. While he was an utter ass in Girls, he was very good at portraying an utter ass. Hopefully he isn't channeling any of his real life there, because that could get a bit insufferable. Anyway, 15 days into the quarantine, and he's revealed something to me. He's written a film script, and he wants someone to give him feedback. As a relative stranger to him, and as an aspiring writer myself with a podcast about objectively ranking Star Trek episodes, he's decided I would be the perfect fit. I, I admit, I do worry about giving feedback sometimes uh, to people's writing. It's often a bit awkward. And um, looking online, I did see some reports about his sensitivity to any critiques of his written work. Uh, he said his script is get this, it's about love and friendship in a completely commodified world. But, given the heady theme, he's decided to filter it all for a more accessible genre in order to, you know, play to the cheap seats. So he's decided it's going to be a road trip movie. Great. Okay, well, and he seems enthusiastic about it. I hate having to give feedback to strangers, even if it's, you know, Kylo Ren. I'm going to have to do it, though, if only because the only other things to read in the Sky B&B are Peter Kay and Jeremy Clarkson autobiographies, and the TV's only got DVDs about local attractions. Really wish I bought my Kindle. Day 18. I thought Adam was going to hand me a script and I could just, you know, red pen through it, but something much, much worse has happened said he wants to convey the emotion of it by reading it out loud to me on the patio, where he can embrace the physicality of the roles. We've been braving the patio, out back of the Sky B&B, mostly for coffee in the morning, because it's a nice ritual to have. It's walled and high enough that the zombies haven't managed to get in. I did worry about the vines up the sides of the walls first, but they don't seem to have noticed or care. The village that we're in is small enough. I think, if we're daring, we could even brave a journey to the pub. Although I'm not going to risk it, not yet. Not until I know the coast is clear. But it is going to be a useful place to potentially flee to if Adam reacts really badly to the feedback. On the downside, it would mean my death. On the upside, it would be a place with some whiskey and a bit of my own company. Um... Here in the 
in the Sky B&B. We've just got some Bucks Fizz from whoever rented this place out before us. And we've been saving it for a special occasion, like when we're able to leave and go home. Might have to crack it open just to deal with the awkwardness of listening to someone read their script to me and asking for genuine feedback. Does Bucks Fizz go off? The bottle does look pretty dusty. Day 19. I guess you want to know about screenplay so far. I would. It's, um, it's fine, I guess. We're only doing a bit a day because there are some zombies outside and they get a bit vocal every time Adam yells and there's been a lot of yelling in these early scenes. We've covered the start of the screenplay at least. We've been introduced to a kind of hyper-capitalist future. One of the cast has to leave Cardiff to make their way all the way over to Lindisfarne to stop her mum from selling her entire body to weird... I don't know, like, they're like cannibals, but I don't think they're eating the body parts they're buying. It's unclear, and it's not helped by Adam's insistence not to name any of the characters. I pointed this out to him, and he started yelling about the reduction of people into commodities, and how not naming them was part of that. Maybe it'll work better on screen, but when they're all Adam putting on a really rough, slightly problematic Welsh accent, it's not great. He went inside and shut the door behind him. I'm 90% sure that he didn't intend to have me killed by zombies for criticising him. Luckily I kept quiet, I finished my coffee and I read a bit of that, that Jeremy Clarkson autobiography because it was left out on the patio table. Did you know he once ate a whole tyre? Day 20 we're back at it again. He's calmed down. We spent the evening watching a documentary about local castles. It would have been nice to go to them on my holiday. Oh well. So, we've got this world in the screenplay. And the girl whose mum's selling her entire body to Lindisfarnian body harvesters. She was going to go on, on the road to stop this from happening. And her flatmates decided to come along. And had to talk her into making it a road trip. You know, keep her safe in company and all that. Even though it's dangerous, and she doesn't want them to suffer the way that she might. They still don't have names. All in all, it's a nice scene. I suggested possibly not make it a musical number if the film itself wasn't a musical. If he wants one musical number in it, maybe save it for the end, you know, like Slumdog. Um, it was the only film that came to mind, and I think it was that comparison that clinched it. He seemed good with it from there. It made some scribbles on his already worryingly too big script. Day 25. There's one good thing about being trapped in quarantine with a virtual stranger who's insisting on reading his script. It's the use of the road trip genre. It feels like in the last week we've been all around the country. I haven't really been keeping up with these journal entries as it's been kind of a, a whole lot of nothing so far. You know, travels, the occasional horrifying moment at a petrol station leading to bartering of roadside bandits, and even the removal of a foot from a couple of the cast. Boy 2 and Girl 3, I think. We hit the midpoint of the script today, and the cast have to navigate their way around London. 
he said that it was shrewd as he didn't want to show the state of the city in his dystopian future. It would have been, you know, too much budget, too much kind of unnecessary world building, you know, leave it mysterious. Still, he wanted to show some adverts and some billboards, make it sound like some kind of hyper-capitalist nightmare. He also, he also had a, a fight with all of the cast, leading to one of them feeding another one to the group, showing their complicity in the system. I explained I couldn't really empathise with a cannibal, and this kind of amount of intentionality in it, it, it wasn't a good look. So we had another unhappy Adam moment. You remembered what happened last time with all the shouting rousing the local zombies. So he did that sort of angry whispering that just sounds loud. He started telling me about the complicit nature of people into capitalism, which, yeah, I get it. You know, no ethical consumption, all that. But this is cannibalism. When he was done, he decided that the group, when faced with a lack of food, would all choose to sacrifice Boy One, who had been fidgeting with the music too much. I'm pretty sure he decided this just to spite me. They ate most of him, and kept his possessions, as well as a few body parts, in order to sell at the next gas station, which I didn't have the heart after his meltdown to remind him that they're called petrol stations here. Day 28. Nearing the end of it now, I've not resorted to running away to the pub, not yet. Adam's yelling seems to have tipped off the zombies that there's life on our street somewhere, so even if I wanted to, I couldn't. It's time for some tension in the plot, according to Adam's big chart that he's drawn on the wall of the garden. It's almost time for girl one's mother to get eaten. They've reached the border of Lindisfarne and the tide is up, which means they can't drive to the island. It's written a tense little scene with a boatkeeper demanding outrageous amounts of body parts in order to get them across. Again, yes, I get it, themes and all that. And pointed out it's going to be a real problem for the actors if they're all going to be missing an arm at the end. I also mentioned you can't really keep going with a head removed. I don't know if Adam knew that. So he took it in his stride and after a quiet I could act with one arm, he quietly made some changes and had them give away their car. This way they're giving away something important as it removes the idea that they're even expecting to get back home. One thing, I don't know if he meant he could act pretending to have an arm missing, or that he'd go method enough to remove an arm for a run. Day 29. Here we are, right near the end. I've been avidly watching the news, half hoping they'd stop the zombie quarantine, half hoping that they'd wait until at least after Adam was done with his script. Spent most of last night staring at one of the zombies outside. It's missing an arm and keeps attacking a car when the alarm goes off. Of course, attacking the car is only going to make it go off more. If either of us were physically capable, we'd go outside and kill it just to stop the noise. The patio, luckily, is a bit further away from the car alarm. So it's quieter, but the noise does still carry. <sighs> Bloody thing. Oh well, the big finale, the final act, is set on Lindisfarne, and unlike Adam, I've actually been there. I think, 
my conversation about holidays and going there may be why this has ended up in it. Anyway, um, he's been looking over Google Maps. He's been looking at tourist reviews, that kind of thing. He wanted some kind of giant industrial body factory with Mad Max looking people in charge, processing body parts and making the fuel that the cars of the future run on as a kind of, again, a, a twist about complicity and all that. Did mention the monastery and the lack of big dystopian factories there. Uh, we had a bit of a chat about feasibility and while it's fine to stretch belief and all that, it's got the makings of a really good folk horror end location here. You know, you've got all the old structures, you've got the desolate fields, you've got a weird monument in one corner of it. It's great. Um, it doesn't even need to explain what the body parts are being used for. They're just being fed into something. He actually went with that alternative, which was impressive. He started sketching things out, and now he's back to writing a conclusion. Well, I've been, um, <clears throat> I've been trying to sell a tape kitchen knife to a mop in order to stab that car alarm zombie from afar. I've also been reading Jeremy Clarkson's book again. Did you know he had all his blood replaced with brake fluid because he said he was going too fast in life? Day 30. We broke out the Bucks Fizz, and yes, it can go off, apparently. Adam read out his final pages. He's been refusing to shave for the duration of his readings. I, <clears throat> after the first week, I did at least get him to shower because this isn't a big place and we want to make it more palatable. My experiment with the mop didn't quite work. I managed to tape up a knife and made some noise to get the zombie to head towards our front window. And it did, but it got caught on an old drain. Now it's just there, stuck, flailing around. At least the car alarm's not going off though. Anyway, the script. You don't hear about my, my bad attempts at dispatching a zombie. Um, the surviving cast have traded their car for a boat, and we're at Lindisfarne. We're all ready to see the ceremony taking place. I had my expectations, but I'm a horror fan, and I've come to realise Adam probably isn't. There's a fight with the monks of Lindisfarne, which turned into a massive... Barterfest. Yep. <sighs> All of it involved adding and removing body parts from transactions. and It, it ended with Girl 1 getting a mum's head and sticking it on her friend who is still inexplicably a headless body. I hadn't realised he left it in. I didn't realise it was that pivotal to the plot. Anyway, I suggested maybe make something a little bit more actiony. You know, have a giant rescue attempt to be made only for some of them to end up being fed to the thing that's consuming all the body parts. You know, that sort of thing. He wasn't happy. He said it wasn't true to his vision and uh, he forgot to keep his voice down. He started shouting about the truth inherent in the barter scene. Yes, even with that headless body wandering around. He uh, decided he wasn't even going to perform the dance for the closing dance number. And I honestly can't tell you if that's a shame or not. Good news is, there must be fewer zombies about, so there was barely any snarling from the other side of the wall while he was shouting. I decided to take the opportunity to hang out in the patio for a bit, finish reading Jeremy Clarkson's book. 
Did you know he got surgically altered to be able to let people inside him and drive him around? The Stig's apparently a big fan of this. And finally, the review. The Road to Limdisfarne is an ambitious film by Adam Driver, star of Logan Lucky and House of Gucci. Here, he has written, directed, and stars in three roles in a, frankly, jarring road trip movie. An unnamed quintet of 20-somethings travel east from Cardiff to Lindisfarne in order to rescue one character's mother. We immediately come into a problem that Adam Driver plays a part of one of these 20-somethings. Not only is he too old for the role compared to his co-stars, but as the annoying member of the group who keeps fiddling with the radio, when his comeuppance takes place, he keeps staring at the camera, almost trying to say to us that this was the right directorial choice. His other roles are as a petrol station manager and as the mother of the unnamed protagonist, neither of which are all that noteworthy. Old television celebrity Pat Sharp puts in an impressive performance as a ferryman to the aisle, which proves he's read both the assignment and, like me, watched The Wicker Man. The extended haggling scenes at each petrol station of grand finale take out any momentum that has built up, and there's an incident with one character which beggars belief and makes you question Adam Driver's knowledge of how human biology works. I must say I did appreciate the song and dance at the end, which evoked the happiness for Katakuris, but I do wish it hadn't taken a three-hour runtime to get there. All in all, I'd say this is a two and a half stars out of five. You'll have a fun time if you watch this at a viewing party. Just make sure you have something to distract you during the haggling scenes. And I hope you've got a strong stomach for all of the limb removal. For due diligence, I did spend some time with Mr. Driver where he read me his script for this movie. But I think you'll find from my review, I have not let that colour my opinion. You have been listening to You Are Quarantined with Adam Driver, and he is insisting on reading you his new script by Liam Ginty and Sandy Pug Games. It is available on itch.io. You will find a link in the show notes. The performance and writing for this episode was by me, Charlie Etheridge Nunn. Every sound other than my voice was found on Pixabay. Adam Driver and I weren't really in a quarantine, and as far as I know, he's not working on a horror road trip movie about hypercapitalist limb removal. <laughs>